Hey everyone, happy December. This is part two of our heteronormativity episode. If you haven't listened to part one, go ahead and go back, listen to that one first. It'll give you a lot more context about what we're talking about in this episode and this conversation. There's a whole bunch of people on the guest list today. Please enjoy. I will drop all of their Instagrams on our Instagram at out to adult. And also, as always, that is the best place to reach out to me or any of our other guests for any topics that you want to hear about, or just to chat with uh, some of our guests and make a new friend for yourself. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. It's the gayest part of your day. Sit back and grab a shot you know, it was interesting about the dichotomy of the the cultural differences between California and other places, and I'm speaking specifically of Texas. When I went to the doctor, they asked me what gender I was born, what 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 I was born, what gender I was born with. I guess it, with what am I saying? But I was in California. Yeah, in California, and what my pronouns were. That isn't a thing in Texas. Yeah, like that's that's I I at first thought it was a joke when she was asking me on the phone. I was like, is this did I call the right place? Like, is this a, yeah. you know, so it's, that is the differences in, in culture and how integrated mm-hmm. and, and, and how do you start the integration without having the dichotomy of hetero, heteronormativity and then not heteronormativity? Does that well, make sense? Can you even have integration if you don't know there's a difference, right? Uh, is it the first step? That's what I'm saying. Like, is it the first step to acknowledge that there is a difference and, and learn about what that is before you can right. bring it into one? You and I have the same healthcare provider, and what I f- have found uh, interesting and like uh, funny lately is um, I've I've been going to the same healthcare center for years, and you know they do they give you a sheet and they're like, what are your preferred pronouns? What what is your assigned gender? And they go down the list of, of all of these things, and then they keep it in your chart so that the medical professionals know five years from now if you ever need to go to the ER, they know what your what all your information is right and the way you, that you identify as but it used to be that only the gay ones would wear a flag sticker on their name tag <laughs> a rainbow flag same sticker. it's very confusing <laughs> and so now so many of them do and i'm like oh my god like wait hold on are you gay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I'm just disappointed because that's who I knew I could like hit on. Well, hey, no, no, I no, I asked one of my doctors recently. I was, um, I was there and I was like, hold on, are are you gay? And also, where do you hang out? Right, like where are you meeting your friends? And she's like, oh no, I'm not gay, but I get that all the time. Like, yeah, take that. Friggin' rainbow off. Also, welcome to the club, and I appreciate you. <laughs> I mean, there are some downsides of this integration that's beginning. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right, right, right. Like, listen, all I needed to know was where do you and your other lesbian friends hang out? <laughs> I mean, that my crush on one of my doctors is a side side chat, but that's that's you know that's that's just how I know. You yes, know? yes. So uh, let's use that as a segue, <laughs> since Yaz is now here. You do have a crush on one of your doctors, your OB at that so she's been all up in your business <laughs> she's not but an ob doctor just so you know <laughs> okay um, do you have two minutes to spare in between your your work to answer some questions she may not be your ob gen but she she did do your well woman exam <laughs> <laughs> no not yet it's the doctor i have a crush on 
Um, will you share, just enlighten a few things? I know that you're trying to get out of talking because you have to uh, go to work, but... Um, what, what would you like me to say? I, I want Yaz's perception of, like... <laughs> Should I say it? Yeah. <laughs> so Alex told us earlier that she is um, she wants to be the girl in the relationship, but that she's not. <laughs> and so how are you planning to... Um, take care of her in the in the way she would like to become a custom <laughs> i feel like this podcast is actually an intervention that you've scheduled without my consent and i don't appreciate it that could be true <laughs> to be fair she said she wanted the best parts yes of the woman role yes but not the bad parts so yep. no cooking mm-hmm. no cleaning mm-hmm. right doesn't seem like it's a surprise well, the irony is I just always wanted to stay away from being in a, in a heterosexual relationship because <laughs> I didn't want to be limited to gender roles. Yes, yes. And so, of course, the person I end up with is someone who believes in gender roles. So, th- <laughs> you know, yay for me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure what you guys have already talked about, <laughs> so I don't want to be too redundant. But um, it's definitely an, a, a big difference between us that affects the way that we see how relationships should be. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a <laughs> frequent subject of discussion for us, and uh, it's, it's been really fun to debate that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What, what, what <laughs> she has, she's at a loss of words at this point. <laughs> yeah, but not at all surprised with you and your antics. Well, you know, I'm just um, not sure in how much trouble I'm going to be in for this later. So no, I'm um, <laughs> excuse me, to choose my from words where carefully. I'm sitting, it's Alexandra's fault. That's a very good point. I agree. So. I did kind of get thrown under the bus here, didn't I? <laughs> she did get thrown under the bus, but the best way to learn is just to be put in new novel situations. Yeah, so, so. let me ask you this. Who kills the bugs when there's a spider? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Alexandra does. Alexandra does because secretly, I'm not so secretly, I'm the dude. I am the dude in this relationship. spiders are arachnoids. They're not bugs. And True. <laughs> On the other hand, uh, cockroaches are, and I'm the one who kills those. So, ha. Uh, we have seen zero cockroaches cockroaches in California, so she has cl- killed absolutely zero bugs. So, Alexandra, I'm wondering if you're a gay man. <laughs> that is exactly what she is. <laughs> well, she is kind of a power bottom, so in that sense... <laughs> a thousand percent correct. A thousand yeah. percent correct. <laughs> saying yeah <laughs> we're gonna yep. throw labels on there yeah all right i'll own it i'll own it 100 <laughs> percent. like yeah i mean it, it is interesting because yaz and i will fight over um uh, who gets to talk who's gonna night? peg it <laughs> <laughs> that and who cooks and so i am definitely turned into the woman because i'm like the greek woman i'm like the neck who controls the the head kind of thing so i just let yaz think that she's in did control. Say, did you say you're the Greek woman? Yeah, I'm Greek. With the neck, uh, I don't you understand that. You just said that. that like you're gonna fight it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greek it's from my big fat Greek wedding. Oh, okay. That's like, like the, the, the man thinks Thank that he's you. in control, but really the neck is what turns the head, kind okay. of thing. Like he thinks he's the brains, kind of thing. But I also know that I'm here, baby. Do you want to be part of this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> what? what you were halfway through a sentence. I, I'm, I, I know that I'm realizing that I'm. Exemplifying how our relationship is run, so I'm trying to be more egalitarian in this conversation. Wow. Yeah, the the best thing about her trying to to fight through her gender roles is that she's not at all condescending when she allows me to do, you know, my fair share of things. That's very nice of her. That's so. I love her so much because <laughs> she she, can, she lets you get away with a lot. A lot. Do you? Do you? 
Do you? Yes. Your anxiety levels are off the chart. Oh, man. <laughs> I have so I such horrible anxiety. So, you know, the reason that I keep Piaz around is, um, is for her to you just love her. It's my grounding And you presence. like her presence in your life. Yeah. This is just adorable to watch, <laughs> I just want to say. <laughs> I Yaz is an amazing uh, ability to ground me in ways that I don't think. Uh, she's taught me a lot. She's taught me a lot about the Socratic method, which we, we've talked about. Um, our, our dates, we uh, read each other Ishmael, or she reads me Ishmael on our porch swing, and we talk but about What is Ishmael? It's my read. favorite book. Okay. We can definitely come back to that later, but go ahead. Do I it. make? No, no. That we... She wants to do it. Yeah, you want to do that, right? You want to read, right? Yeah, I do. Okay, great. What, what, I, I was mean, just making sure you were being forced into it. I mean, I, it would be great if you would read sometimes, but, <laughs> you know, I, I don't mind reading. Look, <laughs> if I don't get the narrative of what I want, then I'm going to have to have her do it in, like, subtle ways by reading to me, okay? <laughs> That's why I put up with it. <laughs> That's why I put up. Oh, my God. This is great. So, Yaz, let me ask you this. <clears throat> You have been uh, trying to find a relationship, or, or, I guess not currently, but you worked to <laughs> find a not. relationship. Worked to find a relationship that got away from those gender norms, and now we have Alexandra, who we all love for various reasons. But what is your reaction if th- if there's something that is maybe a, a gendered role that you are being asked to perform simply because you know Alex quote wants to be the girl yeah that's a good question so how do you respond and how does that make you feel it's been tough and I don't know that I have a good answer yet but uh, I try to have conversations to understand the ulterior motives behind different requests and um, one thing we do pretty well together is uh, have pretty deep conversations and Mm -hmm. we tend to have decent insights and we can we can get in pretty deep about um, how we're each feeling and where we're at so that's been really helpful. Um, that I, I would say that's that's the main thing is just having conversations about whether these ideas and values are coming from a socially constructed view of the world about how things should be, mm-hmm. or if it's an actual conscious preference that has a reason. Like she knows that that makes her happier, yeah. or she just knows that that's the relationship she wants to be in. It's okay to have preferences. It's okay mm-hmm. to to want to be the one to do certain things or to want your partner to be the one to do certain things. But I think ultimately it's just a matter of being able to negotiate a relationship that is what you both want. Mm -hmm. And so it's asking yourselves the question, what of all of these social norms or gender norms, you know, which ones actually matter to you and why? And Mm -hmm. to what extent do they matter? And, and, you know, how much compromise you're willing to accept? Yeah. Um, And I think that's, so far we've been doing that pretty well. So there's some things she cares about that are not important to me. So I'm willing to to do them even if that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And then there's others that are really important to me to not have to do. And and she's able to kind of let go of those expectations. So it's worked okay so far. Well, that's really good. I mean, we we joke about the constructs of, of the gender norms. And it is something that I that I want because I feel safer mm-hmm. and I and I like that idea but I also feel really safe being with a partner who creates that emotional space to have the discussions about what gender norms mean mm-hmm. and and how to navigate that and I think that takes precedence over the in, enacting the gender roles or gender norms themselves mm-hmm. and I think that's where the shift happens is um you know I still have remnants of wanting it to look a certain way and mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm, I'm working on why or understanding more deeply why 
Um, and I'm grateful to be with somebody who, um, you know, where we can have discussions about that. And we, when we hit something that we need to navigate or discuss, you know, we, you know, we still haven't completely gotten through who cooks, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in general, I think, um, I'm, I'm grateful to break out of that mold, even if we don't know what that looks like and Mm -hmm. how to define it yet. Mm -hmm. One more thing, I, th- I think one thing that's been really helpful for me uh, the, through the ability to have these conversations with you is also the ability for me to explore my own, um, I guess, gender identity and gender fluidity and, and understanding what is important to me. You know, th- those are questions that I've asked myself before, but not to the level of, of detail that we've gone into because of how these questions became pragmatic. Um, so that, that was really useful for me, I think, to... You know, it's not a question that's asked very often in our society. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we are typically allowed to sort of have spaces to explore those ideas. So I've actually kind of learned a lot about myself in the last couple of years, just having these talks with you. And it's been um, it's been a it's been a growth experience, I think. So That's awesome. I find so <coughs> being a lesbian, I, I agree with you. I think one of the best parts is that there are not these gender roles or constructs in that each relationship is able to find the boundaries of who takes out the trash versus who cleans on their own, right? Nobody wants to take out the trash, but I I don't know. I'm pretty chill with it. You what? (laughs) Douglas wants to take out the trash. Yeah. Okay, so you guys need to get near a microphone here real quick because we're going to go around rapid fire. (laughs) What is... You know, and Tony, you're representing all gay men here. Obviously. So, <laughs> um, I enjoy not having a set role of what do I do because then that means we are, I think, more able to break out of our roles as we go through life than perhaps a male-female relationship is because the male-female relationship have the social stigma of you know, women raise the kids and men work, except for that our society is changing so much and women are expected to raise the kids and have a full-time job, but still somehow men have not fully been expected to help raise the kids as well, right? And so this is different across the country and then across the world, but I like being able to define what we do in our relationship. So, Tony, can you speak to how this affects... The, the men's perspective in, in a gay male relationship? No, because I'm single. <laughs> but I will say this. Yes. <laughs> uh, I live a life, w- uh, being single, right? I live a life that doesn't involve gender roles because I have to do everything. So, um, you know, when it comes to taking out the trash, I don't pull it out of the, the garbage physically, but uh, my mother does that because she lives with me and it's a whole thing. Don't worry about it. I'm still available. Um <laughs> She pulls it out and sets it aside for me to carry downstairs to the garbage Mm -hmm. when I leave. I'm down with that because I don't want to have to deal with pulling it out of the trash and filling it in with another garbage bag. All I have to do is pick it up, and it's convenient for me to grab and go. And she's done half the work. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. But she's the woman. Mm -hmm. I'm the man. Mm -hmm. I'm still doing everything else. Yeah. I don't even know if gender roles even exist. They're bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, when you talk to, especially right now with COVID, women are basically doing women are basically doing fucking everything but that's like i was just listening to npr i listen to a lot of npr but they were talking about how a lot of women are just like blown out because they're doing pretty much all the all the roles 
and and they're losing their jobs too on top of it. Women are more likely to have lost their jobs during Take COVID. Take care of the kids Wait, yeah. and I, they're having and to be mother, teacher, housekeeper, cook. Well, here's the thing. I think what we haven't spoken about, and I, I wish I had remembered while Yaz was still out here, but um, sorry, Yaz left. Um, she had to go back to work so she could be the breadwinner for the family. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you shut your mouth. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm the breadwinner for the family. Um, I think. Until she dumps you. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I think that what's not discussed here in the, con- in the context of heteronormativity is the emotional labor that women or, or women who, people who, um, Femme Center. Thank you. Femme Center. I do not know the correct language. Femme Center. Yeah, because you skipped over our definitions portion. I'm sorry, my ADD got in the way. Femme Centered, um, people. Is Femme Centered people correct? Ter- yes. uh, okay. Femme Centered people, talking about emotional labor. Emotional labor in terms of all contexts, not necessarily the physical work, but the what has to be done in the house to create the house to operate. The mental load. The mental load. And I think Yaz and I fight about this all the time because I'm the planner and I'm the one who's like, you know, saying like, this is, we, we got a plan for grocery shop. We got a plan for this. And, and that's not on Yaz's radar. And I get really frustrated because. It's exhausting. It I is feel exhausting. You. And so the. What's not being said here is when I say gender roles, I think what I want is I want more uh, homogeneity. I can't say the word. Homogenous. Thank you. Uh, Sharing of the mental load. Regardless if I'm in a a romantic relationship, I'm in plenty of relationships with people, right? Absolutely, yeah. So earlier, uh, we were talking, a few of us were talking about what it was like growing up in high school in a small town. And I actually related to a lot of that, even though I didn't grow up in a small town. But, like, there weren't openly gay people in my high school. Um, I also was not openly gay. I was still trying to figure that out. I, you know, I, I, I like many uh, gay boys, claim to be bi before mm-hmm. accepting being gay. And I was full of toxic masculinity. Uh, I'm the youngest of three brothers. Mm-hmm. My older brothers were gangsters and, uh, you know, assholes. Currently still are. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... You know, being the youngest, I got a lot, you know, I got beat up a lot. I got called fag a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, ultimately, that built how I treat treated other queer people. Um, I remember I had a really good friend in middle school named Josh. And uh, he was very effeminate. And mm-hmm. when he ran, he kind of ran, like, with his arms swaying in the wind. Yeah. And, like, I was fine with him. He was great. Yeah. Um, we got to high school. And for whatever reason, I want to be an asshole. And I started calling him a fag because because um, I was gay, probably, and I was afraid of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, come to find out we were both gay <laughs> yep. later on. And then, <laughs> I w- story. and then I started, like, taking tips on how to take a penis from him. But That's nice. Well, that story <laughs> just <laughs> went completely <laughs> in a different direction. I was, wow. <laughs> so my point being is, like, I grew up in a very uh, masculine-oriented mm-hmm. household. My mother was uh, a female, obviously, but she was raising three kids on her own, and she always told me, I'm your father, your uncle, your mother, your cousin, all of it. Yeah. So she took on every role. That sounds like a lot of psychological damage. Yeah. It won't do. Um, hence the uh, addiction for ten years. But um, I, I've noticed things that I do that I get mad at myself. So, for example, I will go to the Mercantile, which is a local bar, yep. and when it was open, and I would go with one of my straight girlfriends, mm-hmm. and we would go to the bar, and I would, uh, you know, order my drink and get mm-hmm. my money out, mm-hmm. and then 
the bartender would be like, what would you like to her? Yeah. And she would order her drink. And then instantly in my mind, I'm triggered thinking, am I supposed to pay for her stuff? Yeah. And I why I don't need to pay for her stuff. Did I, but what do I do? I pay, pay for, for it. Mm-hmm. Because instantly I was ingrained that the man does this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is something I do to today. Yeah. Not And knowing that, like, uh, that's not appropriate. That's not something I should do. Mm-hmm. She made more money than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She should be paying. She ain't buying me no drink, mm-hmm. you know? And so... Um, Things like that. You know, growing up in high school, I wanted to be in theater. I wanted to sing. I wanted to dance. But I never did because that was gay. Yeah. And then growing up, graduating, discovering myself, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this whole life that I didn't get to experience. Um, you know, Ray was talking about be doing theater. I'm jealous of that because yeah. I didn't have the opportunity to do that. And because I was told that, well, not that I was told, but society basically said, yeah. that's gay. Don't do it. And they say I was that, see, yeah, and this is one of the things I have a huge problem with, which is, you know, just add it to the list. But <laughs> they say that's gay, don't do it, as Brad Pitt is the sexiest man in America, right? And that's okay. And Brad Pitt's not gay, but if your teenage kid wants to be in drama, that's gay. Well, that's theater. What is wrong with us? And that's acting. Yeah. Right. I do want to say, though, with where I was growing up, there is a bit of a cultural difference. Mm-hmm. Um. And did you grow up in Salt Lake City? I did. Um, and a thing that is, is sort of part of the, the, the Mormon culture that they do is that, like, arts and music um, are very, like, much a big thing. Mm-hmm. So it was not necessarily seen um, as being an effeminate thing yeah. to be in theater. Um you know, the guys who were playing sports and the guys who were in theater weren't necessarily the same people, except for uh, there was one show where that we act, the, the, the department actively did recruit uh, some people from, like, the, the sports teams. But mm-hmm. that, that is something that I didn't personally grow up with, was that, oh, well, you know, theater is where the gay kids go. Yeah. Because, I mean, unless it was the, the camp that I was going to, you know a lot of the people who I was around who were in theater were heterosexuals. Yeah, that's and awesome. And I didn't feel comfortable being out to them mm-hmm. because they, you know, I was concerned of what they would think of me. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's great that that's part of their culture, that they were allowed to be, you know, and, and I say allowed because I think that's so often what our society says is, is our society dictates what we are socially allowed to do or not if we want to still have friends yeah and i mean there there's still you know there can be judgments about being gay but it wasn't necessarily seen as oh because you're the lead in this school musical that makes you gay mm-hmm. yeah no i wonder if that's like a uh, a sim not a symptom a side effect of like being in a small town versus like a bigger town because in a bigger mm-hmm. town you have more likely going to have more assholes right, right? and um you know, I I wasn't comfortable at all getting into that because I already knew that those people w- mm-hmm. were identified to be. I, I would I would I would be remiss to not add that I think, and I know we're not talking about age, but I do think that the fifteen year age differential from you guys makes a huge difference for sure. Because when you were in high school, I'm assuming gay marriage wait ha- was legal? No, was almost was was coming into. When did you graduate? I'm sorry, I'm bad with <laughs> years. I was in 2013. Was when okay, I so 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 gay marriage was 2015. Okay, so yeah. I didn't quite, but but we were we were more states had become legal. Mm-hmm. We were kind of 
moving in that direction. Whereas when you were in high school, you know, was even one state legal, one or two kind of, I think that the... I don't even think it was on, like it was a discussion. Gay people were not visible. So your 15 year difference has changed. Say what? Did you grow up during the AIDS crisis? I mean, I was born in 1980. Yeah. But... You know, I mean, not that, it, yeah, that, that was in it, the it, it stopped. Yeah. I mean, not that it stopped. It stopped. Right. Okay, yeah. that's, that's a mean, whole can of worms. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can go off on that. Mm-hmm. But I did want to point something out earlier that uh, Katie said about we have to come out mm-hmm. or we have to come out multiple times. And I actually wanted to kind of almost throw this in there into the conversation pool, you know, pros- uh, practicing the Socratic method mm-hmm. uh, that coming out is almost a heteronormative concept. It's because definitely a because that's the people we have to come out to. Right. Well, I mean, not necessarily. Right? Like, you come out to your best friend who might be gay. You could be gay. But quick. the reason, but the, the, the yeah. motivation Because of it's why. not normal. And, you know, I don't know if you all saw know, that it, movie, it Ev- uh, Dear Evan Hansen or Love Evan Hansen. Some, mm-hmm. Something. Dear Evan Hansen. Love Simon. <laughs> okay. Love Simon. <laughs> not well, even related. I don't related. think they've made Dear Evan Hansen into a movie quite yet. Yes. Well, I would love to. Love, <laughs> yes, love but Simon. Love Simon, yes. where they outline the whole concept that, you know, on top of all the other bullshit we got to deal with, we have to deal with the stress of letting people know that we're not normal. Yeah. You know, and saying that we have to come out. And I was having a conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago that was telling me about their kid. And they said to me that, uh, you know, they think that their kid might be gay or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't really matter, and they haven't told me anything because they don't. That's they don't do that anymore. And I was like, "Wow, that's surprising. That's yeah. awesome." And I hope that that becomes normal. Um, and I doubt that this is the case, you know, across America or across the world, obviously. But mm-hmm. in places where it's more prominent, where there's more queer people, obviously, the the, the concept of not having to say, "Hey, yeah. I'm gay. Hey, I'm trans. Hey, I identify as this." That's so much to put on a young person dealing mm-hmm. with too much already, mm-hmm. and uh, we shouldn't have to. Yeah. Or a young person trying to start their career and they're working with 60 year olds and they have to tell mm-hmm. a 60 year old white man, no, my pronouns are they them. And our, and then and then the white guy is like, what? What does that even mean? Yeah. Actually, oh, just her- a quick example. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my coworkers who uh, goes by they them had a, another coworker who is this very ancient person that that uh, basically refused no. to use those. Because it was too hard. No. And so they just decided, I'm just going to refer to you as your name from here on forward. I'm sorry. I I need to interrupt this. Michelle, who identifies as trans, (laughs) literally could not get the uh, wine open. It's champagne. Champagne. And and instead of going up to another (coughs) female-bodied person, went to a male in the group <laughs> and handed the bottle of champagne. It's because he's to wearing a tank top in his muscles. So thank you for just exemplifying <laughs> the heteronormativity of this example perfectly. Maybe thank it you. was because all the other people were on microphones. Earlier, earlier, um, Katie couldn't get one of the champagne bottles open, and I came over, opened it for her. She took it back from me and said, "I must have loosened it." <laughs> <laughs> The toxic yeah. masculinity. I know. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I did not mean to no, no, interject it was in your perfect. Like, yeah. I just watched this happen. I thought, oh, somebody needs to narrate this because it's so natural, like, right? It's so natural to behave that oh way. Oh my god! So I used to get so mad in like fourth grade 
Um, my anger goes back years, guys. <laughs> and because any time we were going to watch a movie, we needed to wheel in one of those big TVs before projectors were a thing and before every classroom had a TV. Yep. And so we would share this TV amongst classrooms and the teachers had to check it out, right? They always, without fail, sent two boys to go get this TV that is on wheels. <laughs> Could I get a couple of big, strong boys yes. to help me move these yes. chairs? Yes. And then you're like, like it just, you've got all of these girls who are like, Feminism! <laughs> Who are just like, I am going to hold as yeah. many chairs as my tiny prepubescent arms mm -hmm, can carry mm -hmm. because she asked yep. for boys yep. and I have to prove myself. Right, right. Yeah. I will carry 12 chairs in each arm. Yeah. So the real the real thing of that is just, you know, how can I monetize that in a way where, you know, I, I don't have to carry any chairs and I still can be a feminist? That is exactly your relationship dichotomy. <laughs> that is exactly your relationship dichotomy. I want to be treated like the woman. I want to be financially cared for, but I don't want to cook. I don't cook. Yeah. And I want to make all the money. Yes. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to make all the money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think Tara has something to say. Yeah, Tara, that. sorry. I just wanted to go back to labels. And growing up in, in a more conservative part of the country, like I think uh, – I don't know who said it earlier, but they were talking about we have to be aware that we're in a, a in a bubble essentially in California, and then there's bubbles within the bubble of mm -hmm. California, right? Like the Bay Area is like its own bubble of bubbleness, and I it's, it's sometimes bubble. all these labels to people that are like in Bucksnort, Tennessee, it's going to be something that they aren't going to get right. Yeah. And it may be confusing to people that you need as allies that are not queer, right? So I think sometimes the the stress of, of fucking up a label is too much. Traumatic. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I was worried about when we started started this podcast. I was like, I'm, I preface it by saying I'm so sorry if I make the wrong, you know, I'm halfway through this podcast and Michelle is saying femme-centered femme persons and I, and I want to say the right thing but I'm like can we have a cheat sheet can we make an app for like what is the correct terminology in terms yeah. of various situations like I, I really exactly. think we need to normalize that it is okay for there to be a learning curve especially for people who are from you know those different environments who don't have the exposure to that and it's just that sort of as long as you're trying as long as you keep trying because I, I do think we get a little bit you know we we want people to just know who we are and what our needs are immediately well, I, I just want to point out there's people in the middle of the country that don't even know what you're talking about when you're saying yeah. pronouns right? exactly yeah so we we need to recognize that I, I feel like to a certain extent that the the bubble here needs to kind of recognize that there's people outside of this bubble that don't even know what you're talking about it's a when bubble you say, exactly yeah and if you judge people for not understanding or not knowing, you're doing the exact same thing that they're doing to you. I think, I mean, it's a, it's a, I think it's a fine line to walk yeah. uh, because there's a, a time and a place, right? Right. And, um, you know, ask any minority that's had to be put in a position where the non-minority is asking to be educated. Um, you know, it's tiring. Right. And it's annoying. And right. like, I, can't, I mean, when I first came out, I can't even tell you how many family members and, and close friends were like, well, when you have sex, are you the boy? Yeah. Or are you the girl? Right. And 
I mean, when I was asked that early on, I would be like, I'm the boy, but not because I'm a boy. It was because I was a top, right? And then when I accepted, you know, taking it up the butt and became a versatile man, because um, it really is enjoyable on both ends if you haven't done it, for all you straight tops right there, or power tops, whatever you're called. Take it up the butt, it's fun. Um, there's, there's, like, people would ask me, like, at, in the bars when, like, these girls would bring their, their, you know, their boyfriends to the gay bars because, oh, it's so much fun. Yeah, we know. Um, <laughs> please don't come. <laughs> well, that kind of come. Yeah. Well, well, both, both ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, they would ask, uh, you know, no, hey, bro, no offense. No, you know, I, I hope it was okay to ask, but, like, are you the go- boy or are you the girl? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I like it up the butt if that's what you're asking. But I also like to stick it in there, too. So, I mean. I, I always ask them the back, well, are, are you the boy or are you the girl? Yeah. And they're oh, like. I don't do they're that. They're like, no, whoa, no, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, I'm, of course, the boy. I'm like, well, um, I don't know. We're both girls. That's kind of the point. Do you understand how, like, being gay works? They don't. That's why they're asking. And I think I think the we started the conversation uh, earlier in talking about how do we <laughs> how do we t- turn you know these these situations into tangible teaching moments where we can where we can um, respond with compassion and with information and not with disdain because you know we have to be the one who teaches this information but with the understanding that maybe if we can if we can connect with them in a way that they understand then we can you know create a change you know change isn't going to be the um this instantaneous oh my gosh you know we accept gay people tomorrow it's going to be one person at a time who then you know if they've been shifted slightly if they go back to their you know boy you know i'm making a generalization but you know man cave sort of thing and it's not that they're going to immediately shift but they're going to maybe start to experience that feeling of like uncomfortability when their friends say things they're like well but i know tony and he seems like a good guy and you know that dichotomy so Change is going to happen from the uncomfortable feeling, I think, when we meet the conversations with compassion and also authenticity. If you're doing it to, if you're trying to change somebody because you have a need to change them versus you're doing it because you know that that might uh, change the world, I think there's a different motivation. So, no, the whole world won't accept change instantly. Right. But you can. Right, one person can accept change. Well, it's, it's like it's a, a virus. It's <laughs> infecting the world with change. Yeah. That's what it is. So instead of COVID, we're just going to, you know, spread. Queer love. bomb the place. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting about COVID that I find hilarious is, um, I mean, we got to find funny in all the stuff, right? Uh, the idea that people are running around having to wear masks and, you know, not knowing if you have it is so much the same thing of the AIDS and HIV epidemic that occurred that straight people are experiencing mm-hmm. like gays didn't had to deal with this a long time ago. And, uh, and now this whole concept where like, Oh, I don't know if I can touch you or yeah. like, you know, where have you been? Have you been, you know, isolating? Mm-hmm. Like it's the same thing. And you know, we've been there. Yeah. But I j- I'll just say my uncle, um, was trying to get into ICU or he was able to get into ICU cause his wife's there, but the rest of the family can go. They will only let one person in, right? Gee, I wonder where that's happening. Yeah. For. Hmm. And I mentioned the parallel, and he, it was 
he didn't grasp it. Granted, really? he's he's in a, a place of sadness, too. Like of he's, course. He's having a hard time, hardship. But at the same time, like I just kind of mentioned it offhand, and I don't know, maybe straight people won't recognize that. I don't know. Well, you have to be p- willing to put in the work. And maybe wait till they're better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or maybe put it in a TV show of mm-hmm. where people can see it and they yeah. can relate. Yeah. yeah, media will always yeah. affect yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, like, I know I'm interested to see... Um, sorry to interrupt you. I'm interested to see how the rise of the shift from cable TV, quote unquote, mm-hmm. to, um, you know, now we're consuming media so much more from our houses Monster. through YouTube and, and social medias. And I'm interested to see how the consumption of media, especially when you can get more off the bigger track, not major networks, but smaller providers mm-hmm. on YouTube will change the narrative. Good or bad, I'm, I'm interested to see how that, that nerves change. Because if you're watching something on NBC or Fox or something, there's kind of a, a general consensus of what's accepted. Well, yeah, that's what's interesting well, is that before there was no choice of what you're getting fed. Now yeah, you have this yeah. menu, and you get to pick what you want to eat. And any time you want. So you can yeah. pick a topic to educate yourself on. You can... Like, I'm watching pick, porn right now. Right. No, and sure. you don't even know. <laughs> All right, Douglas, I think you had a story... That fits here. I grew up in a small town of Woodland, mm-hmm. um, and it was relatively progressive as far as we had gay football players and lesbian cheerleaders. Um, all the jocks were in the high school musicals. How old are you? 20, uh, 30, 20, <laughs> 32, 32. I graduated 06. Um, but when we did Greece, it was all the jocks. And the pink ladies were the cheerleaders. Like, all the popular kids were in drama class. It's like they an also, episode of Glee. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. it is. Less money. <laughs> Wish we had a Sue Sylvester. Um, but, and then I came out going into high school. Mm-hmm. A lot of people come out going out yeah. of high school. But I think for myself, everything was very early. My first sexual experience with a man was 14. And then with a female was 18. Because I thought, you know, college, got to experiment, you know, try everything once. Right, right. And then. You got to experiment. Yeah. And then I did it again when I was like 22. And, you know, my experience was like, eh. Yeah. It's cute. It's like the Statue of Liberty. I don't even see it every day. <laughs> um, but I th- just, my whole experience, like from a small town, especially, my mom's a lesbian. Mm-hmm. She's been married. 18, 18, 19 years now, oh, okay. but um, it was relatively um, easy for me. I was never teased. Mm-hmm. I was maybe called a fag once or twice, but um, I myself was very fortunate coming from such a small town of Woodland where it's, you know, 99% Mexican, yeah. um, maybe two blacks and two Asians, and that's, it was just, and then white. But um, I thought I was the only one really out. We had a GSA, and for I don't know That's if high schools gay straight alliance. I don't know if high schools yeah, like still have that. Gender sexual alliance. Yeah, it was almost like a safe Check place. Your gay privilege, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was gay like straight alliance. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a relatively new thing in in U.S. high schools, and Did not even other state. I'm sure. 
um, GSA is Gay Straight Alliance, and so it's this. Is that like it's a gay club, club at school? Yeah, it's basically grinder before grinder. I oh, hate stop. all of you youths. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was it was almost like a safe place. Everyone talks, and you mm. didn't necessarily have to talk about gay topics. It's just open. Form. In a safe space. Mm-hmm. Did you guys you allow straight people? Oh, well, it's stri- gay straight gay alliance. Gay straight yeah. alliance, right there in the name. We yeah. had to be 100%. Well, we wanted to be 100% inclusive. So like the bars. Yes. Well, also, the uh, a, a really important part of having a straight part of a gay straight alliance is because there are you know going to be kids who maybe their parents wouldn't be accepting of them mm-hmm. being gay. But they, oh, why are you going to a gay straight alliance? Well, you know dad I'm an ally you know I want to be supportive of these people but I'm not and it it gives these kids a place to be themselves Mm -hmm. that gives them that sort of alibi yep if they need it and it I mean a lot of it are topics when because I didn't attend it all attend it all the time but it was mainly um mental health issues Mm -hmm. because kids i mean nowadays i can imagine with cyberbullying. when i was in high school there wasn't really i think myspace (laughs) just had um sparked and i just remember when (laughs) my friends was like i'm no longer on your top 12 what and then it was all about who was in your top lineup yeah and um yes it was just mental health issues cyberbullying, Mm -hmm. and everything i'm so then moving out of Woodland and after high school, what, how, how did that affect you? How, how did being in an area where you weren't made fun of very often in high school affect you later in life? Did that help you? I'm, I'm sure it did. Or did you experience any type of bullying later it, on after high school? More so after, because I attended Sacramento City College. It was more so after, and I kind of, this sounds bad but I kind of wish I had that high school being bullied because I wouldn't know how to deal with it and I didn't really deal with it till after so I didn't know how to react to it that's so interesting like yeah I I find it was almost backwards yeah well (sighs) as an adult you haven't built your callus yeah to the bullshit bullying I didn't know what to say how to react to it but it was very minor I never got jumped I never never Life was not threatened, but, mm. um, yeah, I just didn't know how to do. I think that's interesting because, you know, we've talked about a lot on the show. Once you're introduced to a certain situation, you that's how you learn how to overcome it, and you're better at it next time, right? Like, that's just life. Yeah. That's how learning works. And so if you are not bullied at a younger age, how are you going to be able to handle it in the workplace mm-hmm. or as an adult or at a bar or at a social gathering when you now are in a position where you don't have 10 years of experience of people being a dick, but also at the same time, you are so lucky that you had an easier high school experience. Yeah, it's kind of works for and against you in that mm-hmm. sense, I well, guess. Yeah, because like, if you're a child that experiences excessive, excessive amounts of trauma yeah. and you get out of that successfully, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you are prepped for the world. Like, you know, when somebody calls you out or when somebody tries to hurt you, you're like, boom, I got this. Like, oh, watch mm-hmm. out, you know, watch mm-hmm. out. Um, but you're a stronger. Pr- well, I mean, Mental. perspective, right? Yeah. Because if you're a child that's had uh, amazingly 
joyful, lovingful, non-traumatic childhood, mm-hmm. and then you, you know, get introduced to the real world. Yeah. yeah. Then you have to lock yourself inside for seven months. You think the world has ended. Yeah. And, like, anxiety, boom, boom, boom. Because, I mean, my childhood, which I learned uh, in therapy, was very traumatic. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that yeah. because mm-hmm. it was my childhood. Like, that was normal for me. Yeah. But when I hit the world and like it started throwing its little curveballs and rocks at my window and I was like, okay, that's fine. They're plastic. <laughs> you know, you're not going to get in here. It's, there's a guard. Yeah. And you know, maybe that's why I'm single. Cause I'm afraid to let people in to hurt me, but also flip that script around. If I had a, a loving childhood where with no trauma and then I hit the real world, um, I'm vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, 100%. So then let's just all work as people to make this world suck a little less. 100%. (laughs) Because me, I, I'm single. I'm gay. Um, I now can say I'm at that point. That's where I can be with someone because before it was so much self working on because I mean, I don't know how many viewers watch RuPaul's Drag Race, but at the end of every episode, RuPaul always says, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love someone else? Mm -hmm. Can we get an amen? Amen. (laughs) And that's 100% true. Because if you don't love yourself and you're doing stuff that is harmful in your own life, there's no way you could love someone else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The only, like, caveat or asterisk I would put on RuPaul's little comment is... You know, how are you going to love yourself if you don't love somebody else? But the key is to continue loving yourself mm-hmm. because we're different every moment that passes. We're, we change every moment that passes. And, you know, we can behave in a certain way and not like that. Yeah. Um, and we don't have to like our behaviors, but how, are we, how do we change that? Does that behavior align with our value? And if it doesn't, then you're not, my, in my opinion, I would not be loving myself if I'm doing something that doesn't align with my value system. I think that's and, right. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, loving yourself is an ongoing process. It's not just like a switch that we flip. Yeah. Okay. We um, have been recording for almost two hours now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do a quick takeaway. Real quick. You don't even need to explain it. One takeaway from this episode that either you are going to work on or you would like to re-highlight for our listeners. And I will lead with every one of us has the potential to make a positive influence in this world and ask where you can make that difference. I will no longer be paying for people's drinks just because I'm a man and I think that they're a woman. Yes. You're welcome. (laughs) I want to say that when it comes to coming out and being yourself, It's not only your safety that matters, but your comfort. If you think you would be safe to come out and be your authentic self, but you don't feel that you're at a point yet that you're comfortable with it, that's okay, too. Mm -hmm. You're still on that journey, and you're still valid, and you still matter as a member of this community. Definitely. Inclusivity. Include everyone, love everyone, um, and... Inclusivity. I like it. Yeah. Okay. I think, like, despite whatever you've heard here, like, you are the master of your own universe. And that's, like, most important. Um, So just trust yourself, honestly, despite whatever has been shared um, or whatever else you consume. Like, it's really up to you. Yeah. Take that as your own wisdom. 
That's it. Uh, your experience is valid, and um, I know that there might be, n- I don't know, there might be new things that you've um, taken away from this conversation or not, um, but the the biggest takeaway, I think, for me is be open to be moldable. What that means is be open to a different perspective. It doesn't mean that you have to take that perspective on, but be open to trying that perspective on because um, I think that we we can change the world through conversation and conversation kind of lights the fire to pass on to others and whatever that means to you um, in different ways. We can make the world a whole lot brighter. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thanks. Um, hold on. Oh. I um, I want to change mine because it sounded like everybody was giving amazing advice, and mine was all like, I'm not going to pay for drinks when I That's go to the valid. That is valid. Well, I want to say this. Don't allow a idea that you think – don't allow yourself to fill a role just because you think you need to. Wait, isn't yes. that what happened? Because you just we we did a roll and then you just refilled it. Yeah, that was my ex- example of why I did it, and then that's what I'm gonna change. I'm no, sorry, you know how many dinners I brought for first dates because I'm trying to be a gentleman. No. Oh well, how come you can't go on a first date with me? Will you buy buy dinner? You ghosted me, is why. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, thank you for listening. I will tag everyone here um on Instagram. Feel free to. Friend them, reach out to them if you want to chat. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Feel free to friend us. Reach out if you have any suggestions of topics, and we will try to accommodate because that's what we give. A hundred percent. Yeah. One hundo. So was it heteronormativity when you aggressively tried to buy me a drink the first night you met me? Yeah. <laughs> so hard. So hard. Yeah. yeah. I thought that's what the, the only way to get to talk to a girl was you had to buy them a drink. What what context are you referencing hard in? Hardcore. Tony, I thought so hard. Listen, hard we're liquor. gonna turn I off the mics now, and then we're gonna keep going. I'm just being a. D- we've laughed. We've cried. Mm-hmm. We've given our advice. We've given advice. Now go forth and live with pride. Yeah, live with pride. Yeah. Oh. Ow.